Motown Rundown. Today is Friday, September 30th. I I need to say something because I I feel like I've been dishonest with the audience. Every week I come on here when we don't record on the Monday, which I think we've now been through, what, three games we've only recorded on one Monday, which is not good. But every week I come on here and make this promise that we're going to be better next week, and we just haven't been better. So to that point, Is it time to lower the bar? Is I it think time? The, I think the expectation, like, let's just be real about what we have here, okay? Which there's, we're just three kids just trying to figure out our way through this crazy, crazy world, and we all have different schedules and jobs and obligations and whatnot. And, and not every week we're going to be able to sit down and record on Monday night. We're just not. So this is one of those weeks. And I feel bad. And again, to that point, we do not have Ryan Collins today. It's Trent. It's myself. That's all you're going to get. And I'm going to put my hand up because this is primarily my fault. I was gone last night on Thursday night. I'll be at the Zach Bryan concert tonight, Friday night, tomorrow night, Saturday. I'll be at the Tigers game. And then we have another Lions game on Sunday. So and then I work. Oh, I worked the first Wings preseason game on Wednesday. Tuesday, I don't know what was whatever, but there's so many things we have going on. It's hard to link the schedules up and people forget we do this unpaid. This is on our own volition and our own time. So we're not getting checks cut from the government to do this shit for everyone. So when we find the time, we make the time and we're doing it. So we're recording what? It's 1.30 in the afternoon. Ryan Collins is working. It's no fault of his own. We miss him. We to be here. We do miss him. Because this is, and especially when we start the show, as we always do with the Michigan State football, that's his bread and butter. And I do have to say, too, not to get too ahead of ourselves, knock on wood for his own sake, this kid has not lost a mortal lock all year long. I think he's 4-0 on mortal locks. And he gave us the one to share on the air with you guys later in the show at the end. And he has his lion picks that he submitted. So he's making everyone money. And I know he feels some type of way about Spartan football. And I know he feels some type of way about the Lions. I was as I was leaving Spartan Stadium on Saturday against Minnesota. I did one of those like one one last glances back up into the crowd to see where Collins was, and it was just so perfect. He just had his head in his hands as I was leaving the game because I couldn't take I couldn't take four quarters of what I watched. Which well, I, if you if you remind if you rewind to you know late summer. Collins was juiced up for this MSU football. So he was more juiced up for MSU football than I've guy? seen than, than I've seen yeah, with any team of his for a while. So yeah, ideally we'd like to get his thoughts on here, but hey, maybe uh maybe next week we'll be talking about a win and they'll be three and two and uh we can get back to chopping instead of uh instead of dragging. Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't hate chopping. I don't know, man. I mean, here's here's my thing, and I guess we can we can open it up with this and, and roll right in. Um I love Mel Tucker. I do. And for whatever reason, and I, I shouldn't say that I know the reason because that's just what the, what the media is and, and negativity sells. And what have you done for me lately? And all the talk of the town is the like, well, you paid Mel Tucker $10 million and this is what your team looks like. Look, I get it's bad. And I, I would agree that for you to bring a coach in that has a defensive background who has coached at the NFL level on the defensive side of the ball. He was the defensive coordinator of Georgia. Everywhere he's been and has had the success, and I believe now he's your entire secondary coach, if I'm not mistaken, Yep, at Michigan State. And for you to have the statistically worst pass defense in the country when you're talking about teams like Akron and Ball State and Bowling Green, I don't mean to pick on the Mac, but like, just all these, you know, these just shit teams and you're worse than them when you factually have better athletes. Granted, you're playing better competition, but of course it's unacceptable. And it's been like that for two years, maybe even three. And yeah, the Washington game, looking back on it, not that we need to dwell because we already talked about it, but Michigan State has a game like that every year on the schedule. Last year it was Miami. They won that game. They looked great in that game against Miami. You also had Kenneth Walker the third. So it's a bit of a different look this year. Washington, at least they fought back. Minnesota was just dreadful. And this other camp of people that's like, you got to move on from Peyton Thorne. I feel like Michigan State might have had the ball three times in the first half against Minnesota. Like the defense cannot get off the field. So it's really hard for me to point the finger at Peyton Thorne here of all things, because this team has far more problems than his quarterback play. The offensive line's not great. 
They try to establish the run, and you know Michigan State football, they're going to try to run the ball 30 to 40 times. They haven't been tremendous with it against, like, real teams. And defensively, they're porous. So I don't know what you want from me. They looked fucking terrible against Minnesota. I left early. I never leave games early. I'm not happy about it. But they're playing Maryland on the road. They're like an eight, eight and a half point underdog right now, which I just think is disrespectful. Like, I still have hope for this Michigan State team to clean some things up and start playing a little bit harder. I'm not going to read into all this, like, drama people try to stir up, too, about, like, oh, no one wants to get up for Mel. He brings in these guys from the transfer portal and these younger guys don't. Like, fuck you. It's 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 college football. Like, that's what the world is now. It's transfer portal. It's, yes, you did have to pull your paycheck out and pay Mel Tucker the money that you did so he doesn't go somewhere else because it's hard to get good college coaches in here that can really establish a culture in the program and can we also set the direction of this team. I echo everything you're saying, by the way, and I'll let you keep going because you're rolling. No, get off, everyone's got to get off my ass. That's no, it. All, all I'm going to say is, like, it also bears mentioning that, like, Mel Tucker's contract came from that, – that's the other thing that's going around. People are talking about how he's overpaid and it's ridiculous and it's unfair to the university. And I just – to that, I say spare me because you people don't understand how this Not works. It's, it's these donors who come from the athletic program, a.k.a. Matt Ishbia, those are the people giving the money to make these contracts possible. It's not we're not taking money away from the dining hall workers in the in the in, in the university and the people who, who scrub the Spartan statue. I, I'm just saying, like that that has been I've I've seen that come up a few times. That narrative of like, well, they overpaid them and they could have been using this money and you know for better resources at a it's still a university and blah, blah. and I'm like, dude, uh, spare me. That's all I'm saying. Spare me is right. That's the right way to put it. But I don't know, man. They yeah, they didn't look good. They, they didn't. But I don't know what you want me to say. There's another yeah, game. I got I got I have absolutely nothing. Um for the second week in a row, I had absolutely zero interest in watching that game after halftime. I did this time. Good. The Washington game I did not because we had to wake up to go watch a Detroit Lions win against the Washington Commanders. That takes me a second every time. But uh, no, this week I did not, uh, or this week I was able to stick it out. And uh, I feel like Matt Patricia right now. I'm just like, yeah, uh, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I got yeah. nothing. I got nothing. The team stinks. The the running back duo, if I'm being honest, has been a little underwhelming. And I yeah. guess that some of that is on fans like myself who maybe prop those guys up and hope that, you know, as a thunder and lightning one-two punch, they could emulate 80% of what Kenneth Walker did. That hasn't happened. So, yeah, and, and Ravs, I agree with you on Peyton Thorne. I just want to mention that because I think you're still this early case. enough into the season where I still think there's some wins on the schedule. Granted, you do have to play Wisconsin still. You do have to play Michigan, Ohio State. We know the drill. Penn State at the end of the year who looks like a top-10 team after looking terrible in the first you know game of the year against Purdue. But the good news is, like, you get some of these games at home, and if you can make some magic happen, who knows? But – you're right. If you fall to two and three on the road at Maryland, that's going to be tough. So they got to clean great. some things up. And and by some things, I mean, 90% of it is the secondary. Scotty Hazleton talking to you, please. Like just press coverage once, please. Like don't just give these guys eight yards if they want it and yeah. then deal with the repercussions. It's just that kind of stuff, man. I, I, you should be above that. You should be above that coming off an 11 win season. No kidding. Um, I did want to touch on the one thing that we mentioned pre-show. This was big sports news. This Aaron Judge thing. He is the home run king. Is he the home well, run? By the way, what is that? That's not an official title. Like, why is well, everybody- that's so? That's the thing. And I, it's I'm glad that you brought this up because of just trying to you know do our usual banter. We are a sports podcast at the end of the day, so we can talk about sports. I, dude, I truly don't know, man. Because here's the thing: is it's not. I believe Mark McGuire was 73 has the most home runs ever hit in a single season. Now, granted, if you want to play the game of like national league versus American league, I think yes, 62 home runs is the lead or is the record for most home runs hit by a player in the American league. I believe. Yeah. It's actually, uh, this is hilarious. I, on Wednesday when he hit the home run, I was walking around Little Caesars Arena because the Red Wings were playing. They had their first preseason game of the year on Wednesday. 
And I'm walking around the building with with one of the other guys I work with, and we walk past this TV, and they have the live look at it judges at bat. And it's a 3-2 count, and he like we walk past it, but he kind of like stops and walks back just to peek at it, just to see. And legitimately, the next pitch is when he hit it against Toronto, which was hilarious and awesome. But I got to be honest, dude, I really don't care. I don't care. And, and, the, and the reason being for me is, number one, everyone's on steroids. Like I know Aaron Judge is 6'8", 250, but if you were to tell me tomorrow that that guy was on steroids, I'd be like, yeah, no kidding. Like, welcome to the world. And also, he plays all his games in Yankee Stadium, which I would I would have 62 home runs at Yankee Stadium. So I, like, I take it with a grain of salt. And again, the most home runs ever hit in a single season is 73. I know Mark McGuire was on steroids. I know Sammy Sosa was on steroids. That that 30 for 30 is awesome, by the way, the summer great. of whatever. But that's the record. And Aaron Judge is having a tremendous, tremendous season. Shohei Otani should probably be the MVP every single year, kind of like LeBron should be the MVP every year in the NBA. But I, I, whatever. Good for you, Aaron Judge. I can't stand the Yankees. It's a, it's a little league ballpark. And no, I don't put that much stock into you hitting 62 home runs when, again, half your games are at Yankee Stadium and you're probably on steroids. So good for you. Cool. Everyone loves the long ball, I guess. The problem, yeah, not just chicks. It's everyone now. Everyone now. Everyone loves the long ball. The problem with this is, okay, so first of all, the problem is, excuse me, we get into this, these superlatives in sports. He's the king of home runs. He's the home run king. Okay, so then who are you going to give that to, right? Because a lot of 90s kids would tell you, oh, I've never seen anyone hit the long ball like Barry Bonds. The guy saw 10 strikes a week, and he still, you know, hit all those home runs. So then you peel back the layer of Major League Baseball has this problem with preserving its history. And this is a this is a Nick Wright take. I know Nick Wright is extremely controversial, but I, I'm a fan. I watch his show every day. I don't always agree, but I agree with this one. The voters, the Hall of Fame voters – don't understand what the Hall of Fame actually is. Like, it is a museum to preserve the history of the game. Is that correct? So correct. Good you man. cannot Love tell that. the story of baseball without Barry Bonds and Mark McGuire, who's hitting 70 home runs a year. Like it's it it's in it, Sammy Sosa. So I'm just I'm just saying, like, if you if you want to do the home run king and you want to say he did it clean, sure. But it's also like there were fifty. What do we do with those fifteen years then? With all the or those twenty years or thirty years he or whatever it was, people were doping. Like and, and and you know what? Like there's 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 asterisks everywhere. Babe Ruth hit sixty home runs with one hundred and fifty eight games or one hundred and fifty one games or something. It was less than one hundred sixty two. So my point is just like. There's asterisks everywhere. And the fact that we get so tied up into these fake titles, like who's the, who's the home run king, it's just funny to me. Like, it's like this is – baseball never gets any press nationally, right? And, like, this is what we're going to talk about. We're just going to, like, debate whether – like, whether Roger Maris or Aaron Judge is the true home run king. Yeah, maybe the guy who plays – I got to stop. I just – baseball is hard for me. Any – any I'm going to – I don't want to insult anybody. I'm going to – Al K-Line is my marker, okay? Anything pre-Al K-Line, I'm kind of like, like, dude, <laughs> this is going to get me in trouble with any diehard Tigers fans who listen to this podcast, but you go around Comerica, Raps, which I know you know that park very, very well. You're going to be there tomorrow. Oh, yeah. Yes. You walk around Comerica. You ever read the exhibits you see on the concourse? You no. ever take a look at – do you see that – I see, like, Ty Cobb stole home, like, like nine times in a season or something like that. I'm just like – like uh, that's you can't even steal home twice in a season nowadays. Yeah. So it's just no one steals home anymore. I'm off the rails, but what I'm saying is it's a different game. So it's hard to evaluate yeah. when shit like this happens, and it's it, it's like it's a culture shock for baseball fans because it's like what? How do we deal with this? Like this guy just hit six. This guy just broke the record that's been standing since what year was it? Rabs nineteen? Oh no, I don't even know, dude. I forty. Know. I love baseball. But I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I think you and I mostly agree. I just, I, and, and, and props to Aaron Judge. I know that's not an easy thing to do, and we'll see, you know. In the yeah, good for, of course, of course. In this last week of the season, we'll see if he can actually, you know, make it 62, and I'm, I'm sure he will, but I agree with your point. If a guy is literally going to be, you know, a Cy Young candidate in uh, Shohei Otani, and he also leads his entire team in literally every batting category statistically, 
Yeah. That should probably be the MVP. That's all I'm saying. I would agree. I would agree. Um, okay. Well, that was talking baseball with the fellas. Um, let's get back to Detroit stuff. Um, just real quick. I know we talked Pistons last week after the Boyan trade. Um, Tigers have won, what, six in a row? Seven? I'm not sure what it is in a row, but they've won, like, something out of something. Like, I seven think out of eight. I, I feel like they've won six in a row. I was at the game uh, Thursday. Uh, sure oh, it is. You're right. Off. You're right. Because they do that stupid hashtag Tigers win with six W's. Like, yes, correct. Yeah. Um, I was there Thursday. I'll be back again Saturday. I got to tell you. And I, it could just be because it's, you know, it's football season and I don't have much juice for baseball until this postseason starts. But I might have watched like seven total pitches of that Tigers game on, on Thursday. I I've never seen, I've never done anything like that. I'm usually locked in. I'll keep score every now and then, but that Thursday game and I was, you know, sitting up there just hammering hot dogs and some slices of little Caesars pizza. And I was like, I forgot there was a game going on. I commend you for going. And Hey, I I, I was going to go with you tomorrow until something came up, but Hey, I, I know. Listen, I, yeah, I think playing, by the way, this is kind of a random thought. I think playing baseball in 50 degree weather for these guys after, you know, I think it's funny that Javi wears his like turtleneck and hood in April when it's 50, but then when it's 50 in you know, September, he's used to it now and he doesn't have to get the whole get up on anymore. Yeah. I, 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 uh, he did have a nice home run too yesterday, which was great. I had my motor city Mago shirt on. Nice of uh, Javi to show up two weeks before the season ends. But I, I love Javi. I love you, Javi. He's going to be better next year. Yes. I, I want to pose this question to you because I was talking to Uncle Steve about this, and I, he brought up a good point that I didn't think of. Do you think that there is any chance that with the Scott Harris era in Detroit that Miguel Cabrera will not be here next year? Ooh, that's, no, I'm going to say no. But I do think I do think there's a very strong chance that he doesn't play DH every day. I mean, I think, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, 100%. I mean, I mean, and by, of course, not every day. What I mean is like this year, that's essentially the role he played, right? You probably played 75% of your games as DH. I could see that dipping, but no, dude. Okay. If he does that, I'll be, I'll be in dangerous territory with Scott Harris. Only from the standpoint of that can't be your, I mean, Rabs, you know, just as well as anybody that's like, it's different with a guy like Brad Holmes who comes in here and, you know, in his first off season, he trades Stafford. That's different. Like, yeah, it had run its course. It's that kind of thing. This yeah, dude, it was like a mutual thing. Yeah, this 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 Miguel Cabrera guy won the triple crown and is a top uh, a Mount Rushmore Detroit athlete ever. I mean, like you you can't yeah you, that cannot be one of your first moves to get that guy out of town because where would he a where would he go and well he'd probably just hang him up at that point. But if he if he wants to play another season, which it sounds like he does, he, he should definitely have the right to play out his contract and i know there are people that are going to get mad at me for that because everyone's been saying he's been overpaid for years but which is true but yeah i mean if it, was, if it was one of those things of similar to the stafford thing where he was just like hey new regime coming in i understand that you guys want to do things your way like i think stafford's was just like hey i i, I just i want to move on you know let's just cut the ties and whatever if miggy came to the front office and was like look and i don't know how, what what his relationship is or how much he values his time in Florida. But if he was like, this is my last year, I want to go back to where my career started fine. But I think everyone knows him as a Detroit tiger. So I would, I, you know, it's just one of those things to think about, but I would hope I could hope that I get to see Miggy on Saturday and, and maybe for one last time and who knows, I don't even want to think about it, but we're moving on. Um, Before we do lions, which we will do for the rest of the show, um, Red Wings preseason is underway. I believe the, I think the final score was six to two in Pittsburgh on Tuesday night. And then they played uh, at Little Cedars Arena on Wednesday against the Blackhawks. They lost that one four to two. There is a certain element of like, it is hard to take things away from preseason. But when you have names like Albert, like Elmer Soderblom's a, a, a prime example of a guy who looked really, really good in training camp. And is now like you're starting to have the conversation of, is this a guy that can make the team out of preseason, like right out of the gate. So certain guys like that, it's always exciting to see play. Um, you know, Simon Edmondson played um, on, on a Wednesday night in Detroit, Sebastian Cosa played in, in that for a half or for half the game rather uh, in Pittsburgh. So it's exciting to see those young guys, the wings do have a lot of guys who are on the injury injury report. So I don't know how much you're going to see of like Andrew cop and Bertuzzi. And obviously Fabry's done for a while still, but there's some guys, by the way, Rabs, up. 
Yes. All in on cop. I saw a little interview on him the other day, him and Larkin sat down. I think it was like during a Valley sports tigers broadcast or something. They like cut to it for like 30 seconds. I'm all in on cop dude. That guy, that guy, he's going to elevate the team. I, I do think that he, he adds an element that this team has been, has been missing. And, and like the, look, the whole thing with him is like, well, the wings are going to ask him to do maybe a bit more than he's capable of doing. But again, he's, I think he's just shown that he's has a bit more to his game than people give him credit for. Yeah, expanded so I'm, I'm role. That, he's going to step yeah. into an expanded role here. I'm glad, I'm, people. I'm glad to, to hear that you're in on them, but Hey, the preseason's upon us. And the first game is October 14th. Um, they start the season at home against Montreal. So um, we'll do a season preview for you in the coming week. Same with the Pistons, but and I know it's been overdue now, but we do talk Lions on this podcast almost exclusively. So here we go. Um, week three, Vikings 28, Lions 24. Um, we are here was, uh, on a Friday. We are here on a Friday. Um, I was working a heavy metal show on Sunday at Freedom Hill. And Who? I got their uh, Lamb of God. Oh, I saw them at Van Andel without their lead singer. They were kind of underwhelming, but go ahead. Really? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it does, just doesn't do it for me, that kind of music. But anyways, I uh, I got to the to the venue early. I sat down to watch it at 1 o'clock, and it was funny because as we were about to do our pre-event meeting to open doors, that's when, like, the last five minutes of the game was unfolding and whatever. And, um, you know, I, obviously with the, with the way things ended with the Lions giving the ball back and Minnesota goes all the way down and scores, and it, it was just – it was funny because I'm, I'm watching it, and then the Lions got a stop before they got the ball back, before they gave it right back to, to Minnesota. Um, and when they got that stop, there was this nice little old man that works in security for us that goes, so we won. And my knee jerk reaction, I literally said out loud, I go, who the fuck just said that? And there were like 20 people in there watching the game. I was like, who the fuck just said that? And that was kind of awkward, but so, yeah. And then of course, you know, then you have the Lions fan, the Lions fans, I say in there that are, just so negative with the, I can tell you every play that's going to happen. They're going to, the Vikings are going to do this, this, and this and score, and they're going to lose. And I'm like, dude, like, why do you, why are you here? Like, go do something else. Yeah. If you know what's going to happen, leave the room, jackass. Exactly. Like, you know, you've already seen it. So leave. But nonetheless, um, I think there is a, there's a lot of reason to be upset about this loss. And, and the first thing that I want to get across here, and I, again, I know that we're now, we're a couple days away from this next game. So it's like, what are we beating the dead horse for? But the, the number one thing I want to get across from watching that game is that team, the lions won that game. They played good enough to win. They played well all game long, offensively, defensively, special teams. Granted, we'll get to the kicking situation in a bit, but the players on that field are not at fault for what happened in that game. This is not, and it, it it's it makes me sick that I even have to say this, but if you want to throw the SOL, this to me is not SOL. This is not a team shitting down its leg and making tremendous mistakes and blowing a game that they should have won. This was blatant coaching errors with Dan Campbell just being in over his head in some regards and just stupid, stupid decisions that accumulated to the point where you put yourself in a position to lose. And so we can dissect the whole game. I, I thought like, look, you're playing with the DeAndre Swift who is still banged up and he's not playing this week against Seattle. Nonetheless, he looked good in his limited time. Jamal Williams has completely taken over uh, when he's in the game. He looks tremendous. His penalty was bullshit in the end zone for a celebration. I don't understand. I don't understand why you're going to penalize a guy for scoring a touchdown and shaking his hips a little bit. But if a, if a, if an uh, opposing team's defense picks a ball off on their own five, the entire defense is allowed to run to the other end zone and dance in front of the camera and take pictures. But if that's not taunting, that's no, how the I, NFL works. I just, you they got rid dance. of, I, I thought they got rid of excessive celebration for that reason. And then I saw that and I, I don't know, Ravs, if you remember at the Washington game, we were both there. He did the same exact touchdown celebration at home, and it just That's didn't get flagged. 
Yeah. Like, is it, it's like the key and peel skit, like one too many hip thrusts and they like kick yeah. him out. But it's like, seriously, you can't make a big tackle and stand over a guy and wag your finger in his face. You can't spike the ball when you score a touchdown, but you can take all 11 guys on defense and five guys off the sideline. The random guys wearing street clothes. You can run to the opposite end zone and pose for a picture on defense. I don't get any of it, but he's looked good. Um, defensively, it is just Ben don't break. Jeff Okuda had a tremendous game against Dude, Justin he, Jefferson. He has been amazing clamps. to start he's been the year. Great. Put the clamps on Justin Jefferson. And the defensively, like they are what they are. You know, you lose Tracy Walker, which fucking sucks because he's excellent and is a leader on that defense and a terrible loss for them. And Jared Goff, to his credit, made some big throws. Like he played well, good. They he played good, well. I, Jared Goff didn't make any mistakes as far as I'm concerned in that game. Correct. Like, seriously, they, they, they looked, they looked good. And, and, and I know we're going to talk about the coaching and stuff here too, but you know, it, it's just this, this team. And I, I, I trust me, I'm very well aware of when I'm drinking the Kool-Aid and like talking out of both sides of my mouth of like, yeah, well, I'm excited to see lions football. And like, I, I love watching them, but you know, they're probably not that good. It just feels different. Like they're competent. The the play calling's been good. They move the ball. They can run the ball. Defensively, yes, they're bend don't break, but they like sometimes get home now and bring pressure. And like it's it's a different feel. So I don't want to hear the SOL because if you've watched any games at all, they could be they could be three and oh, they should be two and one. Like it just is it that's just the, the fact of the matter here. And you know, there uh, of course, like that's a game that you really want to win and should win and, and almost needed to win, and it didn't work out. But before we get into the the whole end of the game stuff and and whatnot, Trent, I want to just get what what are your thoughts on the game? I mean, I'm sure you you were impressed and you liked. They played well. Yeah, I mean, so I'll start with the positives because I always do. Um, and you nailed them all, but I just I, I it, it's worth mentioning. Like Jamal Williams, in my mind, and I said this a couple weeks ago, but I think. When you have him and Swift healthy, I think that is a top five running back duo in the whole league. I mean, who who's better? I, I I'm sure there are better duos, but I can't think of one. Like, but just having the the guys that are both as effective as they are, I would agree. Yeah, yeah, and that's why I guess I'm not as I know that DeAndre Swift's mere presence on the field is huge, and that's why against Washington in that win, he was only you know in only seven touches, he's able to score a touchdown and rack up 90 total yards or whatever it is. So I understand that, but. At home, I am totally comfortable handing off the ball to Jamal Williams behind this O-line that has not missed a beat. Penny Sewell is factually the best right tackle in the league. So I don't want to sit here and and, and do the woe is me thing because we're going to get to the Seahawks game at the end here when we do our picks. The Lions are extremely banged up. They're going to have some guys miss miss time. But um, that's a positive. Another positive for me, and I wish I had the stats. I was supposed to look them up, but you got TJ Hawkinson back in the mix. I think that guy could go across the middle and sit down on every single play, and you can get a free five, six, seven, eight yards. Yep. And they actually just they threw him a nice little fader. It was almost like a wheel route into the end zone just to get him just to get him going. And he, I think he had like four catches in the game. Like just get him involved, and especially this week. Because you're not going to have Amon Ross St. Brown. You're not going to have DeAndre Swift. You might not have DJ Chark. You have got to get the ball to, to TJ Hawkinson. And lastly, you mentioned it, Jeff Okuda. Again, wish I had the numbers. Guy hasn't given up 40. Tremendous. He hasn't given up. I don't even know if it's 30. Hasn't given up 30 yards to anyone so far. Uh, so you look at him going up against DK Metcalf. Granted, DK trying to stir the pot a little bit this week. Did you see that? No, what did he say? He just said he's got a safety over the top. He's not locking anybody down whatever. So, and Aaron Glenn, Aaron Glenn had a perfect response to that. He was like, Oh, that's called defense. Like, you know, there's usually a safety over the top. It's very (laughs) rare that there's not. So anyway, I want to talk about the situation. I want to talk about the decision to kick the field goal. Cause Rabs, I know you feel some type of way about this. We texted about it when it happened. We texted about it last night in preparation for this discussion. The Detroit Lions are up 28 to – or no, what, what is the score at this point? You're up three. 20, 24-21. 24-21, exactly. You're right. There's a minute and 14 left or a minute and something – a minute and change, okay? there There's less than – the two-minute warning has passed. The Vikings are out of timeouts, I believe. Yes, they are. You have three options here. 
The third of the third of which I didn't even realize. I didn't even consider, and we'll get to that in a second. You can go for it on fourth and four. Now, I am fully aware that the result could be the same as missing the field goal. You might not get it, but you've been going for it on fourth down every day, and that at least gives you a chance to win. Like, if you get that first down, the game's over. Like, yes. the, game, you, the game is because, over. Because, like you're saying, with the kick trend, if you kick that, the game's still not over. The Again, game's over yeah, yeah, exactly. the first down. Say Seibert makes that kick. You're up six. You're not up seven. You're not up a touch. You, you know what I mean? So, right. So I want to I want to put that aside. Option A, go for it on fourth down. Option B, punt. You have the best punter in the league. Number one, the best, Jack Fox. Pin him deep. You know, make Kirk Cousins beat you when your secondary. You know, uh, granted the secondary had started to bend there at the end. Yeah. But just you can try to hang on. I would rather do that than give it to option C, which is mm-hmm. kick it with Austin Seibert. It's not like we're dealing with Matt Prater here. And he's been in mm-hmm. Detroit for five years, you know, in our childhood. It's not like we're dealing with Jason Hansen, who was here for two freaking decades. We're dealing with Austin Seibert, who apparently is also injured. He's on the injured list or, or right. something. I don't even know if he's 100%. I thought that guy was going to get cut Monday. I really did. Yeah. And for Dan Campbell to get to the podium and almost be in tears like he was last season and basically <laughs> say, I, I freaking regret my decision, man, or man. something like that. That might have been word for word what he said. Yeah. But for him to basically say straight up, I, I regret that. That tells you he had no faith in the kicker, but he was trying to do the right thing. And as you said, Rabs, that's where he sometimes shows his true colors and maybe might be in a little bit over his head. And that brings me to this. You, <laughs> I want to go back through the menu because I just think this matters. If you go for it on fourth and four, you are at least, you're, you're at least giving them the ball after you've tried to make your checkmate move, like like you've you've tr- like kicking it is not checkmate, bro. They got right. they can still go all the way down the field and do their thing. And for you to basically sit Austin Seibert down <clears throat> and tell him f you for all day after he doinks the first you know field goal attempt of the day after right. a great first drive by the Lions, and then you just bring him back into the mix when it matters the most, and he is again Austin Seibert. It, it, it's it just it made no sense to me. It was so illogical. And I think for me to pound the table when the onside kick happened against the Eagles and say, you know, I disagree with it, but I can understand it because Dan Campbell is, you know, it's it's grit, it's tenacity, it's going for it, putting your balls on the table, chips in the middle, whatever, what have you. For you to then in this situation, which was that it was that onside kick situation amplified by a hundred, there's an opportunity to win the game right under your nose and you don't take it. That's when I started to be like, dude, are you, are you all barking? No bite. I'm just saying, I'm still, I'm, yeah. of course I'm in on Dan Campbell. I think you're going to win this weekend. It's going to be tough. They're going to grind it out. He took responsibility. That's the one last thing I want to mention. He took responsibility. When was the last time we heard any NFL coach, let alone a Detroit lions coach come to the podium and say, I kind of messed that up. Sorry, I messed that up. <laughs> I made the wrong decision. You think Matt Patricia would ever utter the words, my fault, do you, nope. Even Jim Caldwell, Jim Caldwell screwed up plenty of Lions games back in the day with his yes. clock management and lack thereof. Jim Schwartz messed up. Jim Schwartz gave the Texans six free points on Thanksgiving. Remember that? Like, I don't, but I believe you. <laughs> he put a challenge flag on an unchallengeable play. Oh, yes, so, yes. Yeah, yeah. So uh, my point is just this. I I, I can and – and I'm kind of glad we're not doing this on a Monday so that we can circle back and we can have a little kumbaya here because – my bottom line is that was ugly. That was really, really bad. And the bottom line, though, is Dan Campbell took accountability for it. I still think the team believes in him. You lose Tracy Walker, that's a huge blow. But when you look at big picture and you remember what we're doing here, I've, I still have our prediction sheet here, Rabs, right in front of me. <laughs> that's beautiful. What everyone did. And we all have a win next week. And we, you know what else we had? We all had a loss last week to the Vikings. And you yeah. knew that when you when you start the season and you look at Philadelphia Eagles, who had a lot of question marks going into the year, they now look really good. And then Washington Commanders, we were all on the same page. You got to start at least one and one. You have to start one and one, and then you're probably going to lose that Vikings game. Maybe yeah. you get them at home. Maybe maybe you can beat them at home. That's the good news. So you're right where we thought you'd be. It just is so much more painful. It's so much more salt in the open wound when you have it right there 
in front of you and you have the coach to do it. You have like, if you could pick one coach that you'd be like, he's going to go for it on fourth and four with a minute left at midfield to seal the game when he's done it. What, how many times that game before like that? Six. Five. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah. You'd pick Dan Campbell. Every football analyst in the country would say Dan Campbell would do that. And he sends out, he trots out Austin cyber. So my last three things, Ravs, <clears throat> I want to say this defense has to get better because it has been bad in key moments. Like you said, it's been, but don't break. They couldn't get a stop to save their lives when it mattered against Philly. Granted, mm-hmm. they're on the field a lot. I, I know the context matters here. They were great against Washington. Washington looks terrible, though, now in hindsight. And against Minnesota, I mean, you get you get one stop there, and it's like game's over. You know, they just couldn't do it. They were right down the field, hot knife through butter. And I don't even think – I think the Vikings only needed 30, 30 of those minute 14 to get to score their touchdown. So it was it, it's nothing. Number two. This went under the rug a little bit, but after the Lions finally got a fumble, was it Dalvin Cook who fumbled? I don't know. Probably because he's on my fantasy team. He's been fucking terrible. At the very end of the third quarter, I think Dalvin Cook fumbled, and he ran into his own guy's ass, and, and like, the ball came out. Happens. And the the Lions jumped on it, and you know what the Lions did? They threw it on first down. They took zero time off the clock. They went three and out, and they gave it right back to the Vikings. That was horrible. So whoever's decision that was, I don't know if it's Ben Johnson – or, you know, Dan Campbell, whoever did that, that was bad. And lastly, this could not go understated, and I, I've, I've already mentioned it, so I won't harp on this. Austin Seibert, that, I don't want to act like that wasn't a makeable kick. That was a makeable kick. It so should be. You, you That's have, what you get paid to do in the NFL. Of course we're going to get mad at the call because the call was the call, but – if you have an NFL kicker, as you just mentioned, Ravs, I mean, 20 guy, twenty to 25 guys in the league make that kick. It's not like it's a 55-yarder. I know. Was it 46? It was, Something it, like that. So that's just – that, that can't he, – he skated, man. He's lucky because Dan Campbell caught a lot of the heat for this week. I think Aaron Glenn's got to tighten some shit up. But uh, tough loss, whatever. I had him at one and two to start the year, so it's just, it just sucks when you have the win right there and it's snatched out from under you in a brand new way. Because we always say, Rabs, what do we always <laughs> say? When you think you've seen it all, yeah, you simply have not. Ten second runoff. Yeah, you know, I, I don't have to do it. You people know what I'm talking about. Go ahead, Rabs. That that did feel like I've I feel like I've seen that movie before with the Lions, though. Of like they just you know it, it's just the other team gets the ball at the wrong time and. And they seal the deal. But, yeah, I mean, like you said, Trent, looking at this and trying to be glass half full, if you want to play the record game, I really did think that your third game of the year going into Minnesota, who truthfully does not look anywhere near as good as I thought they would be coming into this year. I still think this division's wide open. And and it is. It factually is. And I don't care that the the Bears are 2-1. Yeah, they suck. And and I don't – like, seriously. So – Yes, if you want to play that game and do some like somewhat revisionist history of, well, we didn't think it would be a win. But okay, well, you played the game and you had them beat all game except for the last minute of the game. So the game was in your hands that you should win. And that that to me, and I think I said this for a different on a different game, but that is like when Dan Campbell gets up there with the dirty pants and goes, we got to shake out that last bit of losing. That's what that is. That is a game that you had won, that you were up, you were in control, and you should have put away, but you didn't. And in the NFL, you have very, very, very few, if any, allowances for games like that, especially in your own division, where you just give it away. So that's why that hurts so bad. But as you said, I'm going to start I'm going to start with the kicking situation. This team since Matt Prater has been here and I told you this yesterday Trent, it is we have three guys in camp and it comes down to two at the end. We take one of them and 6 weeks into the season, that guy gets cut and we bring in some other guy who like hasn't kicked in the league in in two seasons like Eddie Pinheiro or Rodrigo Santo. Like that's what the kicking pool is. So kickers matter. There's a premium on on good kicking in the league. So either draft a guy that's supposed to be good or sign a real free agent and get someone that can kick because Austin Seibert is not going to be on this team come week 17. He's not. His his career-long field goal is like 53 or 55 yards. 
there's guys in warm-ups that are making 75-yard field goals, and he hasn't even attempted a field goal over like 55 yards in his life. So how did he get that job? Well, because he's because he's he's efficient on on point after attempts. Because he's good at chip shots. Make a fucking kick. He like, skated. Even the one off the upright. I'm telling you, he did skate. He, he did. was the he was the biggest winner of this week uh, of the he whole did. team. He was the biggest winner. He skated <laughs> like a, like a motherfucker. <laughs> and that, I hate to be I hate to be that guy because no, be that guy because I didn't hear it. Rabs, I didn't hear it once all all week. And I I know I know only being up six <laughs> doesn't matter as much as being up seven. But you can play a little bit different of a defense. If Cybert sinks that, I'm like okay. I'm bringing everyone back to guard the goal line, and we're just gonna keep Kirk Cousins in front of us, right? Like that's that's yes. the, now you got to play straight up because yes. he missed and it, and you give like, him the dude, ball at midfield. <laughs> I hate to be the guy of like ragging on kickers, but you legitimately have one job. You need to make that kick. I mean, fucking Joseph for Minnesota sucked too. I don't know how some of these kickers have jobs. I know it's hard, but so that's an issue. I because like you said, he's hurt this week. So what is it? Riley Patterson off the practice squad. And like at a certain point, you need to address the situation because your plug and play of guys that like also got cut from a different team on week eight of last year that you bring in to kick, that's got to stop because it's not conducive. It's not, you can't win. You can't, you can't have a, a long jet. Like some of these teams, like we had Jason Hansen for 20 years. We had Prater for however long. And granted, he missed some big kicks for the Lions down the stretch, but my my last my my last thing here, and I'm gonna take some time on it, but it is about the coaching. You brought something up, Trent, about the about play calling that I have had a problem with this team for in a lot of teams in the league for so long. You pick that fumble up, and it takes you 30 seconds to give the ball back. This line, by the way, Rabs, you're still up. I think you're still up. You're either up seven or 14 at that point. So like you can. And and it's at the it's at the dead end of the third quarter. When they punted, it was the first play of the fourth quarter. So like. This is game time now. Like it's go time. It's dagger time. Whatever you want to yes, call it, dagger time. But it's it just it. It is it is football. I don't know what it is about these offensive coordinators in these teams. That yeah, sure, it's a passing league. I get it. But there is a right way to play the game that is tried and true. That you can get yardage, you can protect the ball, and you can run clock. Lions O line has been dominating all game long. They they. The Lions are so famous for the forcing the three and out when they ever do rarely, and they give the ball back to teams 30 seconds later. I've never seen anything like it. It's the most asinine thing that this team does. So correct, Trent, there are several instances in that game where the play calling, it's like pass on first, incomplete, and like you're passing all three downs. There's no time coming off the clock. There's no play. So that stuff, I agree, needs to be fixed because, and even I got to give the Lions credit, like the fourth down plays that they ran, besides the one to Jamal Williams where they went fucking sideways, that is my biggest. I think any coach that runs a fourth down play out of the shotgun should be fired. Not that the Lions did, but to go sideways. Well, it sideways, happens a lot, too. I've seen a lot this season with other teams. Like It, it just... does, dude. It's like fourth and fourth and one on the goal line. You're in the fucking shotgun. Like, like just run the ball. And you don't run sideways, so that stuff sucks. Dan Campbell, I, I, have, I have been on this podcast for weeks. I love Dan Campbell. I appreciate what he is doing for this team. I think everyone loves him. He's a he's a real he's a genuine guy. He cares about the team. He cares about the city. No one is arguing that. But at a certain point, my excuses for him run out. And and when they line up for that field goal, I'll tell you, I'll back up a bit. I was texting you guys when they had the ball at midfield on fourth down and they didn't punt and they didn't get the first down and they give the ball right back to Minnesota and Minnesota Minnesota scored seven points in like 10 seconds. Like that to me is just a, is, is he is so in over his head with some of this stuff is as far as just like, he almost thinks he's still playing like the way he paces the sideline and, and he like thinks he's in the game and you need to be able to take a deep breath and detach yourself from the emotion of the game and put your team in the best chance to win. And he does not do that very often when the decisions come down to him. 
when you are at, and granted, it's not like the Lions are going forward on fourth down from their own 30, but when you are at like smack dab midfield, that's a ball when you have the best punter in the league, you punt that ball and pin them at the very worst inside the 20 or inside the five when you're up seven points versus going for it for no reason, giving them the ball back, and Minnesota scores in 10 seconds. It's a tie game, and all the momentum has shifted. So that was a poor decision. The kick, look, I don't mind. I don't mind that Dan Campbell goes for it on fourth down more than anyone in the history of the game. He wants to be aggressive. I get it. But he has to get through his brain. This is not a three-win team anymore. You are not dreadful, bad roster, bad SOL Lions to where you walk into every game as an underdog and you know that you're probably not going to win. So any chance you get to keep your defense off the field and try to get points, you have to take. Yeah, you got to play with something to lose now. Like you have, like you're you're a good team now. Yes, you have to have some confidence in your team and understand that hey, we should win this one as long as we keep doing what we're doing. And the same, it was the same thing with the onside kick against Philadelphia. It's a losing play, losing mindset. That that for whatever reason, I don't know if he just like thinks it's going to get everyone on their feet if they get it. Well, guess what, Dan? You're not always going to get it. You're not always going to recover the onside kick. You're not always going to convert on fourth down. I don't care how much faith you have in your team. There's just certain things that you do and don't do. So the midfield punt should have happened. The kick, of course, I understand the mindset. You kick three, you go up six. A field goal doesn't tie the game. You have to force them to score a touchdown. But I got news for you. As you said, kicking the field goal and converting it is check. It's not checkmate. I'm fine with you taking the risk to go checkmate. If you go for it on fourth down and you don't get it, Yes, okay. because that's that's game, set, match. That's your chance to say yes. game over. Kicking the field goal is not game over. And, and, and Rabs, real quick, I want to reiterate this because you're getting there and you're with me, but it's like, if if you if you go for it and don't get it, that is in hindsight the same result as missing the field goal. So try it. Exactly. And they, and they don't if they don't convert you now it's like okay Minnesota sack up go ahead drive the field and you have no timeout so go ahead and do it and you're still up three. But like you said, they chose field goal, which was the wrong choice. And if you want to punt there too and force them deep with no timeouts, I'm fine with it. They just made the blatant wrong call. And I'll tell you what else, too, that pissed me off. The fucking timeout they called when Minnesota Minnesota gets in there and they throw a ball down to where, I don't know, wherever the ball got thrown, the, the, the 30 or 28, 20-yard line, whatever, when they, when they had that first big pass after they turned the ball over, and the Lions called timeout when Minnesota has to sprint up to the line with no timeouts. They probably have to spike the ball. You stop the clock after your defense has been on the field for what, two or three plays. It's not like they've been out there for 10 minutes, bro. They've been out there for 45 seconds at most. And you call timeout to let Minnesota run downfield, get set up. They can call whatever play they want. The clock is now stopped. You put the onus on them. If they're at the goal line, Trent, if they throw that pass to the goal line, then yeah, Burn your timeout, let them score, get the ball back. Granted, you know, golf throws that disgusting pick at the end, and it is what it is. They weren't going to win that game anyways once they let up the touchdown. But to call timeout and stop the entire momentum of the game, and, and, and now you've given Minnesota a chance to breathe, that was irresponsible too. The pass interference on the goal line was not pass interference with Justin Jefferson. That was a stupid fucking call. But nonetheless, you know, then then they get their touchdown and the game is fucking over. So I love Dan Campbell. I'm glad that he stood up in the press conference and took ownership of it. But that has to stop. And and, and it is the, the trick with that is it's not a schematic thing that you can change X's and O's. It's not a personnel thing. It's a him in his brain, but the six inches between his ears being able to take a deep breath and making the right decision for his team. And that's what we always used to give Jim Caldwell shit about. Bad game management, mismanaging timeouts. We all gave Jim Caldwell shit about it. And and I think we have the right to do that with Dan Campbell. So it's just unfortunate the way it all unfolded, but that shit, it has to stop. He has to be able, as a leader of that team, to take a deep breath, 
to to think and to make the right. I don't care what the I don't even think he's looking at analytics of like, well, fourth and four from here. If we go for it, we have I don't even think that comes into into consideration. I just think he's so fucking jacked up on Red Bull on the sideline that he's just like, fuck it. Let's go for it. I want this crowd to get loud and let's put away the game and be aggressive. But it's not always the right decision. So he fucked that game up. He cost his team the game. He knows it. And and as you said, as we can roll into Seattle here, it is so unfortunate how banged up this team is. I don't know when the last time the five starters on this offensive line have played a game together. DeAndre Swift can't stay healthy. I swear to God, that guy has a questionable tag on him every single game since his rookie year. And I think Deuce Staley made a comment too. At a certain point, you got to just step up and play. Like, I don't know what, I, and I'm fine with, you know, if he's really hurt, then, you know, give him a week off and let him recover. But at a certain point, dude, running back is not a, is not an easy position. You got to be able to, to, to strap the helmet on and play. So his injury problems suck, obviously. Uh, Amon Ross St. Brown, who's been having a tremendous year, and I think it is now getting a lot of national notoriety. But he's not playing this week, which hurts you. And so you're now having, and you lose Tracy Walker for the year. So now you're relying on a team that really roster wise, isn't tremendous. Now you're throwing these backup guys in to, to plug and play. And, you know, Seattle has looked dreadful since the, since the Broncos game. And, you know, I don't, I, I still, even with these injuries, I'd like to think that, that the lions are able to win this game, but to be honest with you, Trent, and I'm, I want to get your thoughts as we roll into these games now or roll into this game rather but I, I still think that it's a game that you should win, but I don't know, man, like they they're injured. Like they have a, they, not an excuse, but like if they lose this game, like I get it. They're, they're hurt. Like it's just so unfortunate. I don't, it's, it's so frustrating. Yeah. There's layers to it. And I almost wonder if Vegas is even paying attention because the lions are still four point favorites as we sit here right now. I don't know. I don't know how to pick that line because I think they might only win by three. So it, it's it's tough. I think the Lions are going to win. We'll get to that in a second here. But, Rabs, you're right. I mean, th- there's – this is a tough one. They're they're banged up to the point where if this was in Seattle, I would not pick the Lions. I mean, like, they, they, they yeah. this home field advantage is going to be huge. And I also do think there's an element of coming off a, a, a loss like that. It's about how you respond. And I think I, I do expect Dan Campbell to have a good game. Like, and you know, what does a coach having a good game look like? Well, don't do what you did last week and you'll be pretty fine. Um, I just, I want to, I want, I want to see the lions come out pissed off because you know what, if you, if you dropped a one and three, it's just like, look, I know the lions in 2016 made the playoffs after starting one and three, but one and three is just brutal. You're playing Geno Smith, dude. I mean, at yeah. some point it's like scrounge up enough to win. And I know, I know they're, I know they are washed up and or not, not washed up, banged up, but Rabs, you and I sit here, we talk about how we have faith in Jamal Williams. We have faith in this O-line, although there's some backups uh, in the mix. Hawk is back. Uh, you know, CJ Hawkinson, you got it. You got to attack him a little bit. Jeff Okuda still, you know, what's, if, if you look at Seattle on face value, what's their biggest threat? DK Metcalf. Well, you've got to shut down corner through three games this year. So there's reasons for optimism here. And I do think that Jared Goff, you know, ultimately, you know, the best quarterback wins the game. I think Jared Goff can outplay Geno Smith. I don't think that's a hot take whatsoever. Mm-hmm. The only problem is Geno Smith can run around a little bit. And I think that Aaron Glenn needs to, or, or Kelvin Shepard, whoever, whoever it was, whose idea was to not use a QB spy against Hertz, maybe just do it half the time here uh, as, as a safety precaution. And that's it. I think the Lions win. Do we want to roll into the picks? Do you have any more thoughts on the game? No, I, I don't. I Look, it's, you know, I, I I think with the – and I didn't realize, like, Josh Reynolds is questionable, Chark is questionable, so um, – and, and Hawkinson's on the injury report, too, for some reason. So, I – it's it's going to be tough, but I agree. This is a – it's a huge spot because one and three looks a lot, lot worse than two and two, and this is a game that you should win. We all have it circled as a win. And it, it, this is another another big test of is this Lions team different than teams we've seen in the past? And if the answer is yes, they will, despite the, despite the adversity, they will win. And if the answer is no, this is a game that they lose. So it's a big game because I think that it's going to, it's there's going to be a lot of SOL conversation come Monday if they lose this one, but we can do the picks. Um, let's start with the picks before we do our mortal locks. Um, the Lions in this game against Seattle at home, uh, one o'clock on Sunday, they are a three and a half point favorite. The over under is at 48. 
I will start with Ryan Collins's picks that he sent to us. He has the Lions here to cover the three and a half, and he also has the over 48. Um, let me pull up the leaderboard real quick. I would be really pictures. interested to hear his justification because I think Ryan Collins might be a little more bullish on these injuries than we are, but yes, he's got them. And when Collins has the Lions, they typically win, so that's good news. Well, Trent, you are 6-0 and in the picks for the Lions. And I'm also, I think I'm 0-4 in Mortal Locks. So. You are 0-4 in Mortal Locks. Water Ryan finds Collins, Ryan Collins is 4-2 and in Lions picks. He is 4-0 and in Mortal Locks. I am 4-2 and in Lions picks and 1-3 and in Mortal Locks. I will let the champion go last year. I will take the Lions here minus 3.5. Um, I, I do think that they will find it within themselves to play hard in front of the home crowd um, and, and get a win done. I Trent, I... That three, it, it could legitimately be three that they win by, but I'm just I'm gonna take them. They've been really. I think they. I think the Lions are undefeated against the spread, aren't they? I yes, think. they are. Um. So with that being said, I'll take the Lions. Uh, I will take the under. I just for you know I I I think I took the under last a week maybe I got burnt by a little bit or so I think it went over by like a point, um or whatever it may be. But I was on the opposite side of you and Collins. I think I don't know. Never mind. Who the fuck knows. But I'm taking the under 48. I just with the with the weapons that are out for the Lions, I think they're going to have to slow this game down a ton and rely heavily on Jamal Williams. I don't know who's going to be available as far as receivers go for the Lions. So um, it's a game to me that the Lions are really going to have to control pace. And I think their defense will be just fine with Geno Smith. I, I, I understand he can move around a bit, you know, not like the extent that Jalen Hurts does. Um, they have Lockett and, and Metcalf or no slouch of wide receivers by any stretch of the imagination. So um, I just think that the Lions defense can keep it under control. And I'm going to see just a, a, a gritty, I could see a gritty like 17 to 13 win here, Trent, something like that, truthfully. So um, that's what I'm going to take. I'll turn it over to you. Yeah, I've got a very similar train of thought as you. I don't think the Seahawks can score points very well. Um, and I think, you know, given the Lions injuries, they're going to struggle to score points this week. So I'll take the under. Uh, what is what is the over under again? Forty eight. Forty eight. Yeah. So I've got I've got the Lions winning twenty three seventeen. So that adds up to forty. That is under. I think Jamal Williams leads you to leads you to victory here, and I don't want to I don't want to make it sound like he's going to rush for two hundred fifty yards and three touchdowns or something like that. I just think your O line gets a push up front. You're able to bleed clock, and you you control time of possession. And hey, when Goff has to make a throw here and there, I I don't want to say I've reached the point where I trust him to do that, but this season so far, he's been great aside from a, maybe I shouldn't say great, but aside, aside from a very rough first half against Philadelphia, he's been rock solid. I mean, he's been, he's been good enough to win you games. So I'm, I'm going to take the lions to cover the three and a half. I will say this though. I think by kickoff, it's not going to be three and a half. I, I, I think it's going to go down to three or two and a half or something like that. And we might get screwed on that, but Hey, we do things the way we do for a reason. We are men of honor. And uh, <laughs> yeah, this, this, this might be one of those trends that I probably won't like when I actually bet it, I'll probably wait until it gets closer to game time. Cause I do think if it's going to move anywhere, it's going to move towards Seattle. So I, I think that you can get some help there for yep. sure. Yep. All right. Let's do mortal locks. As we said, Trent is zero and four. Unfortunately, Ryan Collins has been outstanding four and oh, I'll start with Collins's pick as he sent it into us. Uh, Illinois plus seven against Wisconsin. They're on the road to Illinois um, playing in Wisconsin. So I was a little bit surprised by this pick, but it's ballsy. It's off the board a little bit. So we're going to take uh, Illinois plus seven for Ryan Collins. Trent, do you have a mortal lock ready to go? I'm scrolling right now because I did not come prepared for this and I'm a little bit panicked, but no, I'm it's okay. I can have something to stall time. I can stall for you a little bit. Um, I always do an NFL pick here because I'm not as big of a college guy as you guys. I don't keep up on it very much, but I will say this. There is a team in the NFL in the NFC even that I think is like playing criminally under par or, or, or criminally not up to par. I should say, yeah. and that's the Arizona Cardinals. Dude, there, I like it. There's a pick them this week against the Panthers. And, and, and I just, if you don't think Kyler Murray and and I I guess I'm just I'm I'm even gonna just say Kyler Murray. I love James Conner. <laughs> I, I love some of the guys they got there, but Kyler Murray can't go beat Baker Mayfield and in what might be a shootout. I don't know because these defenses are just atrocious. I don't. Christian McCaffrey's in question, so I just ultimately think the Cardinals they got to get back on track here at some point. And I don't think the Panthers are great. I, I did think before the season the Panthers were sleeper sleepers to uh to make the playoffs potentially in like a wild card situation in this week NFC. 
But I just think the Cardinals are kind of sleeping bears right now. They're, they just got to float until they get D-hot back week seven. And then they might be a force to be reckoned with. But to, to, to be a pick against Baker Mayfield of the Panthers, spare me. I'll take the Cardinals plus a half as my mortal lock. Yeah, I was going to say I wanted to go look at what that was exactly because I feel like they're plus they're, – they're an underdog. I know like it's not like a true pick I feel like, right? On a Barstool Sportsbook, they're plus a half as we sit here right now. So – are they really? Yeah. Trent, I'm just – I'm scrambling to find the game. I really, really liked – I really, really liked that game that you had too because I think I'll probably end up taking that with you. I'll, I'll ride, even though you have not been good. So you, you no, I've been, probably... I've, I've been awful. But, hey, I've got another one real quick, and, and what, this is – What else do you like? I don't want to say this is a lock because it's not my pick, but it's I, I really thought about it. Andy Dalton is starting for the Saints. They're three-and-a-half-point favorites against the Vikings. Now, we just saw really? what the Vikings are, and I, I, I just – if you don't think the Vikings and Kirk Cousins and Justin Jefferson and Dalvin Cook and whoever, granted, I don't know who's playing and whatnot, but the Vikings are a better team than the Saints. Are you fucking kidding me? They're not going to lose to the Saints <laughs> down in New York. Like, uh, Andy Dalton is quarterbacking for the Saints. So give me the th- – this is one that I'll take. I'm not going to go as far as to say it's a lock, yeah. but I'm just doing this to, 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 to kill time. But it looks like you got your pick, Raz. I got my pick. I'm ready. I'm going to go with NC State plus seven on the road against Clemson. I – Clemson could win this game, sure, but I think seven to I, I think is a little bit disrespectful for NC State. I think that it's going to be a tight game. That'll be a sneaky, like really good game to watch. NC State's ranked tenth, Clemson's ranked fifth. Um, so I'm I, I just think that that's going to be a tight game, and and I'm going with that. I'm not all that confident on that. I'm one in three in mortal locks. I haven't had a mortal lock hit in a month. Everything else has been fine, but the mortal locks are not good. So if you want to fade it. Fade it. I don't care. I'm just telling you my mortal lock is NC State plus seven. Um, you do Trent, have you to do give have a, a pick. trifecta for us, right? I do have to give a pick, so that's my pick. I uh, do, do have, have a trifecta, trifecta in memoriam a, of Ryan Collins, who is still alive. But I have a festive trifecta, and this is a uh, tactic, I guess, to get Ryan Collins to listen to this, which he might not. He probably won't. There's no chance he does, actually. But our trifecta today is actually a – yeah, no, it's a trifecta. I got four questions, but I'm going to narrow it down to the best three in real time. Put, put the pressure on. These are Ryan Collins hypotheticals that I'm going to throw at Rabs. Rabs has to answer them. Okay? Okay. Now, this is our way of tying Collins in because he's with us in spirit. And still alive. We are now going to conjure up that spirit, and we are going to see how close Rabs is. And if we can give Rabs answers to Collins next week, this might make for some good banter. So, Rabs, question number one. If Ryan Collins did not root for the Detroit Tigers, what MLB team would he root for? If Ryan Collins did not root for the Detroit Tigers, who would he root for? I would say, oh God, that's a great question. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go pull up the app real quick because I want to make sure I'm I'm thinking of all these teams in my head. AL or NL? Or do you not know yet? I don't know yet. I, I wanna, feel like I'm Collins just... is an NL guy, kind of. Because I can I'm I give you my say, pick? My pick is the yes. Pittsburgh Steelers. That's or Pittsburgh the, the Pirates, Pirates. Excuse me. Yes. The Pirates. I'm gonna I say think that if, would be a big Pirates guy. If Collins did not root for the Tigers, I think he would be a St. Louis Cardinals fan. Okay, that's a spicy take. Or San Francisco Giants, because they're just two classy organizations. And I think that he would respect that. And he likes, I think he would appreciate how nice those ballparks are at those respective parks. And they're relatively, I mean, they're pretty. Pretty successful organizations, too. Yeah, that's my line of thinking. I think I've seen Ryan Collins wearing a Pittsburgh Pirates hat before, and maybe that's where that was in my brain. I'm not sure. But I think he would also he would also like PNC Park. Not sure if he's ever been. But he would also like Pittsburgh because it's a, quote, gritty city. And I could yeah. I could hear him embracing that. Anywho, I wanted to do, like, an NFL thing, but we know the answer to that. It's the Jets. He loves the Jets. Okay. What is – this is question two. What mm. is Ryan Collins' favorite – Favorite flavor of Gatorade? Oh, dude, fuck. I think blue. I feel like he really likes the blue. I'm, like I, the- you know what? I'm going to guess that he was like a big blue Powerade guy at McDonald's back in the day. Yeah, yeah. I think my knee jerk was lemon lime, but I feel like I, I, I'm trying. I feel like That's I too plain. In, I feel like I hear him in my brain saying like, oh, lemon lime. It's not even close. But I, I do think it's the like the blue, like the light blue, the cool blue, whatever it is. Well, Ryan Counts is also it. he's also that guy that I say this in the most loving way possible. I promise. He also doesn't care like if his mouth is all stained up one color. So like he's going to oh, he's, yeah. he's, he's going to get after it. He with, gets nasty with it. He's going to get after it with the flavor he wants. And if you disagree, then F off. You're wrong. Yeah. All right. Question three. Who is Ryan Collins' NFL coach comp? 
Oh my god. NFL head coach that best embodies Brian Collins. Kyle Shanahan. <laughs> that's a good that's a good answer. Kyle Shanahan. I just think like as Kyle Shanahan's a relative, you know, he's got a little bit of swag to him. Like I think he's pretty well liked with the players, but Kyle Shanahan's grinding like analytics and and you know he's he's got some tricks up his sleeve with the play calling. He's pretty buttoned up. Like I think Collins, if, if he was an NFL coach, he'd take it seriously. He'd still got a little bit of that swag, you know, young guy, like relatively decent face, depending on the day. And I, I don't know. I just, I just see Kyle Shanahan. Okay, uh, that's because, respectable too. Because this is fun, I'm gonna give a fourth. Um, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna give my fourth. Who's your comp? I was thinking Andy Reid, in a, in a very or good Collins? way. Oh in, my god! No, in a yes. good way, a very good way. I don't know how you spin that as in a good way, but how is Andy Reid a bad comp? Because he's fat. No, it has nothing to do with him being fat. He's funny, and he, oh. he was, he's nonchalant about shit like Collins is. He doesn't always right. sweat the small stuff. Good he, save. He, Good he, save. No, it has nothing to do with his weight. You know I don't fat shame. I, <laughs> I do not fat shame. Okay, yep. final question. If Ryan Collins were to play for one of the Detroit sports teams, which one would it be, and what jersey number would he wear besides five? Sorry, big caveat there, because his number is five. Yeah. But Rabs, I'm trying to think like if he was skating for the wings, like what number would he be wearing? Do I have to give like his number for each team or like what team I think? No, he'd no, be just on? what team if he if he could choose who to play for, who would he pick? I think I think he would play for the Pistons. I, I could see him just being like a just a spot up shooter, like just you know, just lanky yeah. white guy. Um I, I see Tigers, but I, I, I see Pistons as well, but I think it's Pistons or Tigers. Bar none. I could see him wearing number zero on the Pistons. <laughs> okay. Just the single zero. That's great. I got him as number nine as a middle infielder for the Tigers, and he looks a oh, lot better. Oh, yeah, Carlos Guillen. Yeah. Really Castro. Castro. Yeah, there you go. That's All right, that nice. concludes our Ryan Collins fecta. Maybe, All right, maybe, maybe. How about maybe this? Listen. Every, every time someone misses, we're going to do a in memoriam or in. Yes. What do you call that? It's not in memoriam because they didn't die. In honor like, of. In honor of. There you go. Yeah. In memoriam. It like was a that. pretty easy answer, and I just didn't really think. We'll see if Collins makes it to this part of the podcast if he even listens, but I doubt it. So well, we'll just tell him to skip to it. We'll timestamp. Yeah. All right. Good show, Trent. Good work. We're down a man here. We still, we, I think we still brought the heat. That was nice. So we for did well. Trent, Thanks. For Trent Bailey and I'm not stuck, Ryan Rabs. Collins, but also Ryan Collins, I am Ryan Rabinowitz. Um, that's all for today's episode of the Motown Rundown. If you want to join the conversation, we're on Twitter at Motown underscore Rundown. We are also on Facebook at the Motown Rundown page. Don't miss a single episode of the show. We are exclusively on Spotify for the time being. Give us a follow. You can hit the notification bell so you're notified anytime that we post a new episode. New episodes every single week. We do promise you that. What day of the week, we don't really know. But we're always here. Thank you guys for listening. We love you very much. Go Lions. We'll see you next week.